It's Ask the Expert, our first live stream expert show of 2017. And we're delighted to have Amir Zanozi, the co-founder of Zoomf, uh, co-host of the Five Favorites edition of the YI Social podcast, and recently named to the Sports Biz 50. It's an sort of an alternative list of people who are doing good things in sports and online by the sports geeks. I think it was... Who, who did that? What is that, Amir? First of all, it's wonderful to have you on, and it's great to finally chat with you. We've been connected for a long time, but I, actually the first time we've chatted. So welcome uh, to Livestream Universe, and, and it's terrific to have you on the show. Oh, man, Ross, this is so great. I actually have your picture by my bedside, so to finally be able to talk to you <laughs> is uh, such an honor. Now, I've been watching the show. I'm a huge fan of it. I didn't know if it was it, like, Long-time watcher, first-time streamer. I didn't know what the lingo <laughs> yeah, Long-time listener, first-time caller, right? Like they <laughs> yeah, say. No. Uh, no, but I'm super psyched to be here. And it's uh, it's really cool. Um, you know, you've got this, uh, such an awesome audience. So uh, I'm ready for some questions. Uh, don't go easy on me. Throw me some curveballs. Okay. Well, we'd love to get people's questions uh, as much as possible. I know people have questions about how to utilize social data, how to deal with real-time feedback and real-time analytics, and how they can use that data to enhance events and measure influencers and all, all sorts of different things. Um, before we get to that, let me just ask you, um, Zoomf is described as an organization that collects and ranks social media by engagement in real-time to provide powerful second screens and analytics. Are your customers primarily people who are using Zoom for live events and live feedback? Or are there people, is it across the spectrum, like people who just want to stay up to date on the latest analytics and get a sense of what's going on with their accounts, even if they're not acting in real time for some sort of major audience driven event? That is, that is such a good question. So, uh, you know, we started heavy in the event space. We did like social media visualization. So like you go to the Caps game, the Wizards game, you know, what have you, and you tweet your Instagram and it goes on a big screen. So that's really where we started and we were collecting content. We actually did it for the government very early on. That's that's really where we started. But we have such a horizontal play as far as like the different types of customers that we have. Uh, and our platform has really grown into the analytics space. So what we've done is we focused on the who. And what we realized is that there are different influencers within every conversation. Um, so that that's the one thing that binds together all of our clients, where they're looking at segmenting their audience, looking at who's interacting with them, influencer discovery, tracking some of their best engagement and post over time. And, uh, you know, real-time marketing is certainly a component of it. The entire platform's in real-time. Uh, we can pull in historic stuff to kind of look at trends over time. Uh, but really what... We want to focus on is the who uh, give you that great one to one conversation. We look at like make little baseball cards on individuals and their social footprint and what they're into. So if you looked at mine, it'd be like Casey Neistat, Twitter, um, the Ross right. Brent, you know, live stream universe. So it's like <laughs> <laughs> picture by that side. So, yeah, so it's a wide range, uh, but it's not just events. It's, it's really gone into the analytics and it's like that in-depth analytics, like beyond just looking at what you have on your Twitter analytics card. Uh, it's like looking at, you know, millennials in DC, what are they into right now? And that, and that kind of engagement, but we have all sorts of things from publishing to analytics. 
And you can break it down by topic or by, uh, you know, keywords and hashtags and things like that to see um, who's influential in general for a specific term or specific hashtag or what have you. Absolutely. Also, who's influential vis-a-vis your account or if you're the Washington Capitals, who are your influencers who are spreading the message on social media and are, you know, who's talking about it and so forth. So you could have somebody who might have a thousand followers, right? And they're not a big player in hockey discussions in general, but they could have a passionate group of people who are very active during Caps games. And those might be, you might say those are people you want to engage, right? Yeah, absolutely. So the way that we look at influence, this actually goes back to how we started the company. Uh, We were a digital team kind of serving the State Department on certain projects, live events and uh, looking at, like, for example, former Hillary, uh, former state secretary of state Hillary Clinton uh, with uh, the freedom of Internet speech that she had nothing with emails. uh, But we would look at uh, before, during and after speeches or, or President Obama would do like a live tweet wall. And what we did was we pulled in all these journalists and stuff talking about it. And we realized uh, at one time, Justin Bieber mentioned internet and freedom in the same tweet and completely screwed us over because how the hell are we going to go to the State Department and say like, Justin Bieber is an influencer in foreign dipl- diplomacy. So uh, we were using Cloud at the time, you know, great platform for what it was. And what we realized, we got to get rid of Justin Bieber. Uh, unfortunately, not in real life, just on this report. And uh, so we did it and they loved it. And they were like, you guys got rid of everyone that wasn't in politics. This is really mm-hmm. influential for us. And then we said, oh, please don't ask us to do it again. We did it manually. We had like 100 people we were like going through. And then so we were lazy. And we asked, you know, one of our developers, can you like create like, like an algorithm or something that like could just automatically move people out? And of course, he was like, what do you mean? Like, (laughs) it's not that easy. And so, but eventually what we did is we created this algorithm and it doesn't like, we weigh stuff like follower count low. We weigh stuff like how many times someone posts low. And we focus on when these people speak, do they create some sort of action? Do they create some sort of behavior? Do they share this? Does it instigate conversation out of this? And so that's what we focus on with influencers. We look at people that drive real change. Now, there's different types of influencers. You have celebrities, and they're not really a subject matter expert. They just have an active audience. Uh, and then you have advocates that you know we, I might consider a micro-influencer, someone that's not a big, doesn't have a large audience, but they're very passionate about what they talk about. So we identify these people, and it's sort of like PageRank and how Google ranks people. We do that within the social media conversations. So they're able to, like, for example, Coca-Cola. They had one person in Denmark receive more engagement about Fanta than anyone else has ever done. And they use our platform to identify that user generated content, understand why did that person receive so much engagement? Uh, it was a very funny tweet. Uh, I can't really say it on pub- in public, <laughs> but <laughs> you can use this type of content to identify those people that make change happen. Wow. So, you know, one of the things that I'm, I'm interested in is how does how do the other, I mean, I, I, I can see totally what you're getting at. You're not being impressed by sort of the vanity numbers, right? How active somebody is, how, how many followers they have. Because, you know, somebody could have a million followers and, you know, half of them are bots probably anyway, right? Exactly, so, yeah. Um, how, how is that different from the way, because you mentioned clout, clout and cred and some of the other uh, popular 
um, or were popular measures of, of influence out there, how they go about uh, coming up with their numbers and their rankings? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, they all have their different methods. We, instead of accepting for what was out there, rolled our sleeves up and said, this is not how we feel is right. Uh, so we focus on, like I said, um, we're looking for people based off your search terms. So in Zoom, you can search keywords, exact phrases, a geolocation. So if we want to look in the stadium to see like who's sharing content, creating engagement based off that. Uh, keywords, even links and domains we can search. Uh, we can also search for profile bio information. So we can say like, who are moms in this area that are creating content around this? It's all about finding that right audience. But within your search terms, we rank everyone. And we look at, you know, does this person create some sort of actions or behaviors? But we look at their social footprint. So what are other things that they talk about? We also look at their followers. What are things that their followers talk about? So we have this like follower analysis. Twitter allows you to do this for yourself. We do this for over 170 million people on Twitter. And we're able to identify what their audience likes and dislikes, uh, demographic information about their followers, where their followers are from. And all this information is sort of like an audit. So anytime you interact or engage with someone, you know what kind of impact do they have. So sports and entertainment, we talked about a bunch of teams that use Zoom. They use that for sponsorship. They want to go to these brands like Coke and Pepsi and um, Papa John's and Capital One and say like, you know, we target millennials in these different markets. So by working with us on these campaigns, you're getting exposure here. You're able to get conversions based off uh, your certain, um, you know, certain goals that you have, whether it's signing up for a form uh, or what have you. But we look at these social signals that are out there. And then once we pull that content in, we understand like who who makes a ripple in the conversation whenever they speak. Now, talk about it from the standpoint of events, right? Because you can actually, um, you know, a lot of times there's an event, right? Let, let me start with the basic, right? There's an event and you see behind the speaker, right? There's tweets going, there's Instagram pictures. You've seen it on uh, even on the scoreboard during a break at a ball game or whatever. Um, and you wonder how those things are selected and, I, from what I understand, Zoom has a way where you can really drill down and find those tweets at a very busy, fast-paced event based yep. on setting key terms and key words that can really make sure that you're putting out there what you want, that you're reinforcing your message if you want to through the tweets or you're just entertaining people the way you want to or whatever it is you're looking for. It's not just a random feed. You can really determine that that what goes out there i i find it fascinating kind of how, how does that work if you can give us a little of the secret sauce behind that oh man ross this is such a good question so we look at ourselves as a marketing science platform and i, I don't roll your eyes people <laughs> there is a strategy behind this we can identify like who's the person that can make the best effect and when it comes to the screens right um you know for us, at the end of the day, it's all about the data, but you're not going to get the data unless you make it fun for people to interact with this content and want to be a part of this conversation. So we look at these activations and visualizations, whether they're on the web, uh, the microsites that we have that we would do with like Giants and Packers and Redskins. We want to make it really fun for people to say, I want to share my thoughts. I want to share my feelings. I want to share my moment here with, with you. And what we're doing is 
it's sort of like a net for us that we can capture this content in. Once this content's in here, we can look at like who are the best people. So when you have these screens at these events or websites, we look at how do you make behaviors more observable that are easier to imitate? So an example of this is the New York Giants. They have these screens all outside MetLife Stadium. What up, Fanto? How's it going? And they're 40 foot tall screens. And what we're doing is we're showcasing uh, content from people that are tailgating. So the Giants, great fan base. They also love the tailgate. Who doesn't? But at a national game, you want butts and seats when that national anthem is going. So they're like, how do we get people in faster? So we have a system that we're ranking everyone. We're geofencing so we know if they're in the parking lot or in the stadium. And then what we do is we showcase content on these 40 foot tall screens that are from influencers that are tailgating. And we send them an automated message through our system that says, hey, you know, Brian Fanzo, <laughs> that's a great tweet about the Giants. Why don't you come take a selfie with your selfie at the Bud Light gate? Well, when Brian walks away from his car and with his friends to take a selfie in front of that screen, he's not going to go back to his car. He's going to go inside. So we're using like your own social media data to pull you away. But at the end of the day, it is really about that data. So we pull that information in. And, and Ross, what we're doing is we're connecting this. Like we just did it in our, uh, we just connected with HubSpot, right? So now you can have live social media information about every individual. Hey, Jen, like I can grab content about Jen and put it into my CRM. So if I'm the sales member, if I'm someone on the HR team that's looking to recruit Jen, I can use this information to find that one-to-one -one conversation. I can find things that are relevant. I mean, there's so much conversation out there. If I can start the conversation with something outside that's non-obvious, but we have a connection on, it just drills that connection even deeper. Well, I mean, I think it's great what you're doing with the Giants because as a Giants fan, we're all about defense and we've been that for a long time. And so we need the fans in the seats and making noise when when our pass rush starts to get going on uh, on a third down so uh, or a goal line stand. So that's very, that's very important. Um, <laughs> so now for people who, um, you know, Zumba isn't necessarily an option for everybody, right? I mean... Uh, for people who are, are maybe more starting out and trying to understand social data, just they're managing their own Twitter account, their own Facebook page, an Instagram account, what do you consider the things they should start to look for in, in measuring their own success, measuring their own influence, measuring their own ability to put out content that is making some sort of an impact, leading to some sort of a conversion, however they want to quantify it. What are the, the types of social data that's available to anybody out there that they that you think is the valuable data they should start to look at? That That's a really good question. Uh, at the end of the day, you want to create relationships with people online. That's why we're here on social media. I mean, it's 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 building that connection and, and making them think of you when they think of these moments that you want to be associated with. Uh, it's connecting with them psychologically uh, with the, you know, the emotions that they're going through and they think of you, your product, your brand, your service. And, and it's about that brand and that image that you connect with them. So whatever your brand voice is, every interaction that you have is important. And it's connecting with these people over time. So when I'm looking at just starting off and what I want to do is I want to create that group of 100 people that are just loyalists, that are just 
people that uh, you look at people like Chris Barrows and what he's done with the Wise Social Podcast and the ambassadors that he has in his program. He, he's a very smart guy, right? It's not it's not just by chance. Um, you know, he's got these rabid fans that are all about this podcast. I mean, he he brings them in. He makes them feel welcome. He makes them feel special. Now you got to track your social media engagement over time, Ross. Don't you know? Don't kid anyone. You want to look at your metrics. You want to look at things like how many conversations that you have, how many retweets did you get. But like at the end of the day, it's it's finding that core audience that you can build upon. And if you are a small company or you are a small brand, chances are you're the one person behind the social media account, and you've got like 50 other responsibilities. So. If you can get other people to market for you, to spread, you know, spread that word of mouth marketing that are, you know, fans of your product, I think in the beginning, it's all about connecting with people and getting those people to feel like they're a part of what you're doing and sharing that content and growing your fan base and your audience base. But it's connecting that information into like the CRM, using that social media information, knowing who these are people are, it's that relationship that matters. I know that I kind of like dodged yeah. that question a little bit, but I really think like that's what the focus should be. Well, I, I know as somebody who's an who is part of Chris Barrow's ambassador program for the YI Social Podcast, knowing that he's using Zoom, I know that I got to keep up because he's getting the data <laughs> on who's sharing. So it keeps you motivated. <laughs> hey, hey, Ross, if you want to read that, I'll hook you up with that Zoom data, man. Because I mean, like at the end of the day, it's like, uh, we look at it as like agile experimenting, right? You, you got to try something new, see if it works. If it doesn't work, put it back on the shelf, right? If it does work, pair it up with something else and then just always just messing around, always tweaking. But you can't do it if you're not like looking at these results. You, and you got to have that one metric that's important to you that you're tracking over time. We give you tons of metrics, but like you've got to stay focused on one thing and just always keep experimenting with it. So um, by all means, I'd love to have you using Zoom data as well. Uh, you've got <laughs> such an awesome audience as well. And just being able to see and identify like what are the top themes, what gets them going, what gets them sharing content um, is what brings them back. Definitely, definitely. I'll so stop now, pitching I, you. What I say? <laughs> I said, I'll stop pitching you now. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> well, we'll talk offline. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so now, as as somebody who's a data guy and, and a co-founder of Zoom, what made you think that, okay, I'm going to turn to live streaming and podcasting, and, and that's kind of where you're going to, you've really kind of made a name for yourself within this community, not just within sort of the influencer social data community, but um, as a part of the YI Social Podcast, co-hosting Five Favorites with Chris, and I see you doing great stuff on live stream on Facebook Live. What kind of, you know, got you into that? Have you always been interested in broadcasting? And um, have you always been kind of like an, uh, somebody who's sort of an entertainer, a talker, a explainer, or is that something that's kind of come later to you? No, that, I mean, that's a great question as well. Um, I, I, uh, so I always, I'm an early adopter, whatever new technology is out there, if it's not even working, I can't tell you how much money I've wasted on Kickstarter things that never even got into product mode. Let's not get into that. <laughs> but, uh, but like, I always love playing with new technology. I always love looking at what's out there. There's this great quote, I think by Michael Dell, and he said, what's the risk of not investing? So I always like to play around with whatever new technology is out there and kind of just see like, you know, what can you do with this? Now, not all of them are going to make it right. You know, RIP Blab, RIP Vine, RIP, 
you know, Meerkat. Uh, I love Meerkat because I always tell people my name's a Meerkat, but, uh, you know, so I'd always play around with that kind of stuff. Now, as far as like the talking stuff, I've always been fans of talk show hosts. I always uh, see how other people do it. I watch what you do. I watch what Chris does. I watch Brian's, uh, Brian Fanzo's FOMO podcast. I look at Vincenzo's Brand Boost podcast. And I'm always like learning and watching. Like right now I'm playing around with video. I'm looking at how Casey Neistat does stuff. So it's it's a little bit I'm trying to just stand on the shoulder of giants. But uh, in this field, you always have to be ready to be agile, always moving around, always trying something new. As soon as you're comfortable, uh, that's when you're you're plateauing. That's when you're moving backwards. Uh, so I always look to challenge myself. Like for this year, I'm challenging myself like one vlog every week. Um, so I'm pushing these videos out because of that. But I look at um, I look at this as a, as a new field of technology. Eventually, it's going to be kind of like social media where it's just marketing. It's not like social media and marketing. Live stream is just going to be a part of what it is. I'm, I'm just having fun. So do you see this as something that eventually every business is going to do as part of their marketing from a corner store to a big corporation that live streaming just integrates into social media and digital marketing and email lists and to the extent that they do traditional media ad buys on TV and billboards and things like that, that, that everybody will be live streaming because enough people will be doing it well or the perception is that they're doing it well or getting something <laughs> at it. So we all now have to get into the game, right? Like remember when everybody felt they had to have a Twitter account, even though they didn't understand how to use it or what the point was of Twitter right. or you know, we got to have a website. I don't know why, but we have a business, so we have to have a website. And then over time, people started to understand that, you know, you can sell stuff with that and you can convert people and you can keep them interested and in coming back and you can get their email. And you Right. So right now we're all having fun with live streaming. Will there be a time when it becomes a business necessity? You think like social media has become for many businesses and having a web presence is for just about every business now? That that's a really good question. I look at it as like, um, and this is kind of like a little Gary V ish, but it's about attention and attention is just like a, it's like a stock. It's like a trade. So like there's all these different, um, stocks that you can invest in, right. That you can make money in. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's always going to change based off like where the industry is going, what channels are popular at the moment, what technology is out there. When you think about it, like eight years ago, there wasn't even a phone. And now you've got apps like Uber that are making billions off that infrastructure that didn't even exist years ago. So uh, it's going to change. Like right now, this is a great way to stand apart from what else, everything that's out there. Facebook is putting so much weight into this algorithm, so it's giving you more attention. So it just comes down to attention and wherever it is, wherever your target audience is, you need to be in front of it. You need to be capturing their attention and you need to cater to them. They're not going to come to you unless you are, you know, a powerhouse, um, you know, you, you created such a brand where they'll come to consume you anywhere you go. But you've got to really cater to them. You've got to go on their schedule. It's flipped, right? Right now, the, the consumer holds the power and they're educated consumers. So uh, they won't be pushed around. Uh, they know what's going on. And so you've got to provide this content in a way that is easy for them to consume. 
Now, this show is called Ask the Expert because we do want to take viewer questions. We're talking with Amir Zanosi, the co-founder of Zoom, co-host of YI Social Podcast. And I'm going to throw the questions out there. Not all of them are actually coming up right now within the BeLive TV system. They may be, uh, depends, I guess, where, on which place we shared it, where people are asking, perhaps. So I'll just throw this out there, and you can feel free to, Take it or not take it. Alfredo, okay. Alfredo asks, what language is the API that you're using for Zoom coded in? Oh, man, that's a really good question. I think it's a REST API. So I'm like the social media geek. Like, like I play the video games. I don't create the video games. So, so I will find out from our dev team, Alfredo. So you and I will connect. Uh, I'll find you in the comments below on Facebook, and then I'll send you a DM to get a better idea. But we are doing uh, a lot of API work. Like right now, HubSpot's using our API to connect into their timeline. So you can see that relevant social media information. The Clippers, they're using it on their ticket services team. Uh, we're working with other platforms using our author card API. Um, so I will get you that information, uh, but it's a little bit too technical for, uh, for me. Sorry. It's a good question, though. And in order now, I know a little bit about this stuff. Do you, which, I mean, I know enough to like BS a question here, not enough yeah. to, to do more than that. Do you get into coding languages like R and, and stuff like that for scraping data from social media? Cause I know people who do that stuff. I, I don't really know, do it myself, but I know people who do that stuff. They do it on, uh, you know, I, I'm involved with HR and I know people who do that for social data to measure different things, so. <laughs> no, that, that that's a really good question. So um, me, myself, uh, I'm not in a code. What I'm blessed with is like, we've got such an amazing team. We've got Ali, our CEO, who's just put together this amazing team and he knows where the puck is and he's just driving us in that direction. We got Lee, another co-founder of ours, and Thomas, uh, our chief product officer and CTO. We've got Nick, our creative director. We got Alan, our CMO. And together, each one of us just has this uh, swim lane that we just dominate, right? And so, like, mine is social media. It's a strategy. It's uh, knowing how to use these different platforms and networks. And I bring that value in. Lee, our uh, CTO, has built this amazing infrastructure, and he focuses on the technology and how Zoom works. So we're using systems, but we're using, like, uh, different APIs that are provided by the social media networks. And then we're pulling this all in real time. Uh, based off the infrastructure that we've created that just kind of rests on top. So as data comes in, we slap it with all these different variables about these individuals. We look at sentiment. We look at demographic information from their names. We apply it to a bunch of different dictionaries. So we look at like census data, social security information. And from all that, we can decipher like, okay, this person's a millennial. They're, uh, you know, white and they are male, right? So like we can put all that together based off their name and the way that they talk on social media. Um, and then we pulled all that in and then we make it very categorizable. So, right. um, but we're using just APIs from the platforms and then all their enrichment is happening on our side. Uh, so like Thomas comes from an uh, MPL background, machine learning. So we've got this art of AI that works within Zoom that categorizes all this information. So it's not so much as like web scraping, we're pulling this data in through the official APIs and we have partnerships with Twitter and Facebook that gives us access to like multiple APIs. But uh, what Zoom is really good at is categorizing data. Um, and it just happens to be social media that we focus on.
And so you're making assumptions, right? Like, I mean, this is all estimates because somebody based on their name and how they talk and whatever could be an African-American senior citizen, right? Uh, you know, and whose English is their second language, but they learned it so well and they hang out with their kids and they, you know, whatever. And all of a sudden they're falling into the wrong category in terms of like how you're measuring demographics right like it's it's all an approximation right i mean it's correlated yeah, it's just like watson so it's it's just like ibm watson we're pulling this information in and we're making projections now we audit it constantly so we'll fall within a couple degrees of uh accuracy uh certain ones are a lot easier um like you know male or female but and then we'll tell you to the level of degree of confidence that we're labeling each demographic information that we're pulling in and then we also give the user the ability to go in and change it. So once we have that information, uh, we use that for the entire system to kind of get smarter as people are using it, smarter as we're pulling more data and correcting it. So it's always like self-correcting itself. So um, you're right, it is all projections, but we're using a lot of uh, you know uh, variables and we're constantly self-learning uh, within the system itself to make sure it's more and more accurate. So now, one of the ways that, you know, people have measured sentiment, right, is obviously Twitter and, and other forms of social media. And from a, a really distant view, right, really high level view, it looks to me like the political campaign for president that was better at social media in the last three elections all won the elections. Right. Obama yeah. campaign was better than his two opponents and Trump campaign was better than the Clinton campaign at leveraging social media. Um, would you say that that, how important would you say that, that, I mean, is that an accurate observation? And oh yes. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, so like we, we predicted Trump was going to win the election. You could look on at the swing States and see the percentage of sentiment versus positive and negative um, with the content that's coming out in real time. And Trump was getting more positive sentiment over time in those swing states. So that led us to believe that he was going to win. And you're, I mean, social media is just such a tool that can inspire and influence behavior so easily. I mean, there's videos out there that, uh, and, and I'll post them in the comments below afterwards, but like you see this one guy just kind of dancing by himself uh, at some concert, and then like two minutes later, he's got a crowd around them. Or the there's first this follower. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The first guy goes over and joins him, and then everybody else thinks it's okay, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And it's like, so some of this content could be orchestrated, right? Of people showing, like, I mean, the other day there was a report without getting political that Trump brought his own audience to to CBS Studios when he did the CIA like meeting or what have you, and they had them applaud while you know you know, very enthusiastically. So that's a perception, that's an effect that changes people's behavior on how they look at certain things. So social media is definitely that. It's some. It's a tool that instead of like a phone one-to-one, -one, you're picking up one-to-many. I mean, we've got tons of viewers that are interacting with us right now asking these really great questions, um, but what we're seeing is affecting their behavior and actions. So. Uh, definitely social media can make a huge part in any type of conversation. Um, and 
in people's thoughts and behaviors offline as well. You judge people based off what they like on Facebook and what they dislike or what they say. And it might not even be who that person really is. But if you saw them like Trump's content and post about it, then you're going to have that perception that they are a Trump fan, uh, make America great again fan. And if there's someone that's posting like liberal or liking liberal stuff, but not saying anything, you'd consider them liberal as well. Now, what about the person who follow who likes everybody just so that they get all the info coming in your news in their news feed because Facebook has kind of become the internet in a lot of ways, right? We we now right. get our, our news on we can get our news on Facebook, we can get everything we need pretty much. We can connect it to everybody. Um, so what about people who because I know people who do this, they like every news channel, every major political candidate. And then all of a sudden you get people who are going through their lists and like, I'm going to unlike everybody who likes this candidate or yeah. whatever. And they they actually did just liked all these people to be a more informed citizen or a more informed participant right. in, in our democracy. Um, and people are making judgments on them that that necessarily like liking doesn't necessarily mean like it just means you want to get that info in your news feed. Right. Right. So you can get yeah. an eye on it. <laughs> exactly. No, 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 no. I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, we look at especially with like sports fans. Right. Like there's might be one person that just follows one team and that's it. Right. And they're, you know, super fan of that team. Or there might be a person that follows every team, typically like a journalist that just wants to consume all the information and find the different stories that are going on. But at that point, you can kind of see where their attention is. It's not right. potentially one team in specific, but they are just enamored by the topic. So it might be a candidate or just politics. So at, at all ways, you can like kind of track these social behaviors and nonverbal behaviors as uh, some type of influence or some type of indication of how they feel about topics. Uh, one thing that you mentioned about sentiment, sentiment by far is not there as a technology. Um, you know, it's 50-50. It's if I say something's badass, you know I'm saying it's awesome, but the computer right. will think it's negative. Uh, and you look at like different types of words, right? So we've got Coca-Cola as a client. If you say ice cold, that is awesome to them. If you're match.com, ice cold is not good. So there's gotta be some sort of like machine learning and dictionaries and classifications that are separate based off your dictionary of words. Words to you are positive, um, are different from words for other people that are positive. So. There are some things that you have to do to kind of just tweak the system so it's right for you. Um, you know, we have that within the platform and by all means, it's something that you should do. But uh, you're right. Sentiment is an important indicator. Uh, so it's like a lot of other things like by words, you can tell if someone's scared, if they're angry, if they're frustrated, if they're happy. Social media is just game it's a game changer i mean it's a real-time focus group at all times that you can get a sense about how people feel or talk about topics i don't know why people have focus groups in real life anymore it just it doesn't make sense they're getting questions but like you look at social media now people are just giving out these answers for free and so it's just looking at like how can you collect this information and you're absolutely right there's a lot of noise out there and it's very difficult to find those insights so uh, you have to be very careful about how you set up these practices and what kind of tools that you use to do that. Well, as somebody said many years ago, if 
the government wanted to create a database of every single American and keep track of them, they would have created something like Facebook and encouraged everybody to sign <laughs> up, put their birth date in, put their address in, tell you what their hometown is, everything. let everything. you know everything you like, dislike, what you listen to, who you listen to, who you talk to, ma make all your messages through there. Through message. I mean, it's it's brilliant. It's <laughs> it's insane. I mean, and we, we do it. And now they're like, oh, I wonder if they'll put microphones in their houses. Well, if I can order something quickly off Amazon, then by all means, let me put seven <laughs> microphones in my house. Right. Uh, it's insane that it just got, you know, um, summoned to court in Arkansas. Uh, it's convenience, convenience over privacy. And we're, we're we, people are giving up information out there because of convenience. Uh, you and feel then like the ship has kind of sailed, right? I mean, if you're on social media and you want to continue enjoying the life that you are living within this world, how do you how do you all of a sudden go? Okay, I'm going to be totally worried about my my privacy in every way. That that's kind of out out the door, right? I mean, oh man, it, yeah, it's all out there now. <laughs> it's it's all out there, and a lot of people are are, are given to the stance now, like. Well, I know I'm being watched anyways. I might as well put it out there. I would treat everything like it's going to be summoned to court. And so don't put anything out there that you wouldn't want read in front of a large right. audience, uh, especially I, I pray to God that no one would have to ever hear their Google history read out loud. Oh. Uh, <laughs> things that they search. Uh, you would see that I'm a terrible <laughs> speller. I cannot spell anything. So Google always corrects my spelling. Uh, but. It's, it, it's insane. I think that would be I mean, the last thing most people would be worried about. Oh, he's a poor smeller. He's a poor speller. <laughs> ching, you know, ching, ching. <laughs> That's why I use Grammarly. No, but uh, you're I mean, you're absolutely right. That information's out there, and uh, you have to be careful about like what image you can. Your brand. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, as soon as you put any content that out there, it's it's there for everyone to read. Uh, there have been military movements based off social media data, like, uh, and I don't know how true this is, but a person that was a part of uh, ISIL took a selfie in front of a base that gave the geolocation in the photo, and they used that to send a drone there. I mean, there's really big implications for what you're kind of doing. Like any image that you take has some geolocation content into it. Um, you know, you got to respect people's privacy. We go into a lot of, uh, you know, extent to do that, to make sure that people can opt out of things. Um, you want to make sure that uh, people, you know, so example, Facebook, right? They don't allow anyone to pull newsfeed data out of the network. Right. They changed it in April 2015. So a lot of people are like, oh, man, we want the hashtag and we want to see everyone that uses hashtag on Facebook. It's not possible. You can take the aggregate information. You can take it as you know, this audience, these millennials, this age group is into this, but you can't pull individuals in. If it's like the fan page or group or something like that, it's fair game. So it's just kind of letting people know, like, you know, depending on what platform that you're on or what content that you're sharing, um, this information is out there and you should be careful about it. When will the time come when we're able to take data from the content that is within a video or an image where no longer we're pulling it from text, but yeah. you're actually, oh, yeah. Oh, it's here already. Or, Oh yeah. I mean, there's tons of, uh, you know, image detection. So like, it's funny, there's platforms that are out there and I'm not going to name names because I'm what, what I'm about to come back with. 
Instagram has a terms of service violation. You're not allowed to do image detection upon our video or image content that comes out. But there's platforms that are doing it. And you can, and you can train the system to look for logos and brands. And uh, we, we actually have in our system a way to, uh, we took this open source technology from Yanlu and uh, you can detect nudity in the content. Uh, just by the amount of, uh, you know, flesh tone colors there are in the image. <laughs> and so uh, hopefully you're not Googling that either. But, uh, but yeah, so I mean, like, there's things that you can use to detect within images, and it is getting more sophisticated. Right now, it's very manual. So if you wanted to hire a company to find your logo within all this content, it's going to be very expensive and not very accurate. But we are slowly getting there. Right, right. Chris Barrows has a good question. What is your personal definition of influence? I'm going to have to go to that picture of you by my bed. So, no, Brett. Uh, <laughs> I, I, so I would look at it back uh, to like what we were saying. Like there's, there's a number of ways of how influence could be categorized. And I think uh, uh, Carlos Gill had a post about this in his little group the other day and defining influence. And my response was, uh, influencers are subject matter experts that have an active audience. Uh, if you have an active audience without a subject matter, you're a celebrity. If uh, you have a subject matter expertise, but not much of an audience, then you're an advocate. So I, I kind of categorize it between those three things, but I think influences, influence drives purchasing decisions. There's so much noise that's out there. I look to certain people for news because there's too much for me to decipher. So when you have your like live stream catch-ups, Ross, I listen to those because you divulge all this information about what's important and what's going on in live stream in the world today. So I tune into you for that news. If it's anything in regards to um, you know technology, I'll go to Marquez Brownlee and MBK, MKBHD. So like I have different influencers that I look to. Everyone has that. So it's like. We, there's those people that translate it to us, and I would define those people as influencers, the translators. Now, with that question from Chris, and of course you co-hosting Five Favorites uh, edition of the YI Social Podcast, what are the hot issues right now that you guys see coming up with social media like in the next few months that are going to start changing the way maybe we use social media or just just kind of disrupt things in a way that maybe most people who aren't following it as closely as you guys do would, would necessarily see yet. Oh man, working with Chris Barrows on the, the wise social version of five favorites um, has been awesome because both him and I say this all the time. We just tune into the news so much more now because we have these weekly kind of five things and our honorable mention and our dishonorable mention of the week and our hot topic and what we're seeing is there's a lot of trends of certain technologies. Uh, Twitter is such a hot topic right now where people are discrediting it. But then you look at the effect that Trump is using with it and the tools that he's able to change, like uh, legislative, like just by saying things, you can make the GOP do things. So it's like Twitter is just this like right now, it's such a hot topic that we're seeing. And it has such a long tail value that um, it's just constantly in conversation. I feel like every day we're talking about could it be acquired? Should it be acquired? It's the new version of news and stuff like that. Some other stuff that we're seeing is just like the technology. Uh, we talked about like Alexa and voice and smart home and automation. And then you got like Tesla and just like the level of sophistication that's out there and how connected the world is becoming and how, like we were saying, the ease of life. You know, there's certain things that we don't um, 
that we take for granted now that used to not be there. Like being able to hold your phone up and understand what song it is, you know, like, you know, Shazamming stuff that quickly. I mean, Facebook Live, they have that technology. If it's hearing copyright songs, it'll shut it down. So we're just seeing this in uh, just this another layer of technology that's providing us new sorts of communication, new sorts of interacting. And I think that's something for us to watch. Um, CES was a really fun one, seeing how Alexa is now in every single product, even if it doesn't make sense. Right. My fridge does not need to talk to me. Uh, maybe it should say, like, put down that sandwich, Amir. I have to get a little bit of weight. But, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's just seeing all this technology kind of play, and you're seeing these certain players, like Yahoo falling out, Twitter in and out, Facebook just dominating and dominating and dominating, and Snapchat trying to do their thing. So it's just uh, – it's fun. It's fun to watch these players move in and out and how they're shifting and changing everything. You know, back in the uh, early 90s, uh, or not 90s, 1900s, people would talk about steel and wood and these types of resources. Now it's these technologies like wireless and Fios and uh, these things that are making the world run and move. Right, right. And when you look at um, Twitter, do you think that um – too many people who are trying to measure influence because there's so much data available from Twitter, because people who are active on Twitter pour so much content into it, right? And, right. and there's such a wide variety of content, and there's the use of hashtags and all that stuff, and it's not primarily visual like Instagram, and it's not a lot of stuff that are hidden behind privacy settings like a lot of people do with Facebook or it's, you know, their content is split into a personal profile and a, and a, and a, and a page and all that stuff. Do you think we overrate the importance of Twitter versus other platforms just because there's so much available data and it's so much easier for people who are trying to measure to pull from Twitter and look at, you know, at least the surface numbers are so much easier to find on Twitter than they yeah. are anywhere else. Right. That is such a good question, Ross. Uh, not a lot of people understand that distinction. Uh, and I'm so glad you asked that. I mean, that, that is, uh, that's why you're a pro, man. Cause like people don't understand different APIs, different platforms give you certain information. Now, Twitter has been very friendly. Uh, LinkedIn, you can share content on LinkedIn, but they're not going to give you anything. I don't know if we can cuss on this. No, they're, they're, not they're their business model is to sell your data to other people, not to let people exactly. mine it for themselves. <laughs> exactly. And that's why they got a payday from Microsoft. And I can't wait to see what Microsoft does with that LinkedIn data in their dynamic CRM system. I mean, like right. think about just walking into a meeting and having that entire history in there from LinkedIn, just in your calendar and outlook uh, gives me goosebumps, but uh, you're absolutely right. So each one of these platforms, like right now, Snapchat doesn't give anything zero. And so I don't understand why brands spend so much money. I mean, there's companies out there like Nick Cicero and Del Mondo that are doing some Snapchat analytics there. But uh, if I know that people are seeing my ad for only three seconds and that's it and they switch and I mean, how does someone make a purchasing decision in three seconds? But there's no data to kind of back it up. So it's all exposure. I find that hard. So I think the fact that Vincenzo, I love you, man, that's awesome. Uh, and so like, I feel that the fact that Twitter gives us so much quantifiable data that it makes it so easy for us to track and prove that ROI, show that distinction from uh, just awareness to post-purchase. 
and looking at that entire conversation throughout the other way. Everyone loves Ross Ben. So like having that, uh, having that entire process kind of viewable through Twitter is so great. Uh, but you're absolutely right. At the end of the day, it comes down to the API and what data you can play with. Um, so that that that's a pro level question there. I loved it. Um, but yeah, that, that, I love that question there, Ross. Now, Vincenzo makes a statement, and I want to bring this as a question to you, actually, because it, it's kind of on my mind, too, which is he loves Facebook, but they aren't going to push. He says they aren't going to push live video much longer. Now, if you go into New York City, you see them pushing, you know, cell phone videos t everywhere, right? Like you're, right, you're right. looking at the time that the train comes and, and, and all of a sudden that goes off and there's a thing like go live. <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. you're walking down like past uh, Times Square, all of a sudden the billboard go live. Like <laughs> they, but that's, you know, that's kind of different than what a lot of us who do like live streaming and stuff like that or think of as, as broadcasting, they're, they're trying to get the average person to take moments of their life and share with their family. How, where do you think it's going live streaming on Facebook for people who are doing shows like like what you do, what I do, what Vincenzo does? Um, Chris has done, although he doesn't live stream as much as <laughs> we do. But we'll, we'll get him the, there. We'll get him the there. Show, the show concept, the interview, the, the talk show. The the not just sharing like here sing happy birthday so grandma can see you in California, but actually these type of programs which are not produced at a level of television, but are more structured than you know grabbing your cell phone and just chatting. Yeah, no, that 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 really is a great question, Ross. So uh, to answer this question, there's a couple of things that we got to talk about, right? One, there's YouTube that behemoth of a video system. It's a database of video. It's a different type of video. But there's influencers on that platform making a crazy load of money on there. Uh, people vlogging on there. Amy Schmittauer is like one of my favorite bloggers. She's got that book coming out, um, Vlog Boss. And there's people that are just creating these channels that have these shows and have these different formats that are making money on ad revenue. And then these are normal people that have taken upon themselves to like create this content. So when Facebook comes out here, when they first introduced live video, they passed YouTube once, just once. And that was during that, uh, you know, the ice bucket challenge where people were dumping water on them because they were taking advantage of the personal network. When then what they've realized is they can manipulate from friend to friend, family member to family member very easily. They can get people to share this type of content when it's about you and me and a Chewbacca mask and stuff like that. <laughs> but, uh, but what they have a very difficult time doing is getting scripted shows on here, getting formatted, uh, organized, produced quality content. And so I don't feel like they know how to handle that. I feel like they, you know, they did some deals with different publishers to try to get them to publish your content like ABC News and stuff like that on their network, but they're just not seeing the numbers that they're wanting. So what Vincenzo was saying was like, they're not putting value into that. It's absolutely right. I mean, you go look at that Facebook map and you're not seeing content from ABC News. You're seeing content from people just kind of like, you know, just dancing and stuff like that for no reason. <laughs> that was a terrible dance move. I totally regret doing that. But uh but you're right. It, it's not picking That'll up. That'll be People in the next not... update, by the way. That'll be the highlight. <laughs> That's the, the like, <laughs> so, uh, no, but absolutely. I mean, it's, it's people don't think they're cool enough to post a video. They just say, like, what am I going to post about? I'm just sitting here on the couch. So uh, I think Facebook underestimated how lazy people are, uh, <laughs> to be honest, or how shy people are. 
but I, I think it's a great platform. And then what Chris and Vincenzo were saying in the comments, at the end of the day, it's all about the algorithm, baby. So like whatever is focused, whatever they put weight into, the smart people would move with it. The smart people kind of, you know, juke and jive with it. So uh, at the end of the day, it's whatever they put the weight in the algorithm, people will go with that. But only the agile audience will. The rest of the audience will be consumers, not creators. Right. And do you plan to continue going to Facebook Live as your primary place when you stream? Or do you plan to go other other platforms more or yeah. I'm assuming that Facebook because that's where I see you because that's where I spend the time and that's where yeah, yeah, yeah. Don produce broadcasts they've been on Facebook live um, is that something that you you pl- you guys plan to continue doing or do you looking are you thinking like maybe I ought to start putting some some footprint down on 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 some of the other platforms no that, that I mean that's a really great question. Um, so it goes back to attention. Wherever the attention is, I'm going to invest some time into and the attention of the target audience. So I'm seeing that people oh no, not the dolphin was. So I'm seeing that people Sorry to interrupt you there. <laughs> too no, funny. no 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 that, that was good. You got me good. Uh, so no no I mean at the end of the day it's like you want to follow attention. You want to follow where people are. You want to follow where the eyeballs are. At at the end of the day people are making uh, purchasing decisions on where they're most comfortable in listening to and whatever channel that they are. So right now, Facebook is definitely a place for us to get uh, that level of attention that we've had trouble achieving on some other platforms that are out there. I mean, no, Tumblr is not really a strategy anymore. Pinterest for some segments of the audience is maybe not for my, myself. I don't go pinning every day, but there are people that do go pinning. So like if you have an audience that is into that type of, demographic that is into those types of uh, things that are profound on those networks. Like we're not going to get Gen Z on these Facebook lives. They're on Snapchat. They don't care about this. For me, I get like zero Snapchat. I get some Snapchat. I I do all right on Snapchat, but Instagram, I crush it. But if I try to do something on Yik Yak, like what am I going to talk about? Like my homework and my final, like I, that's just a young database. So it's like, you have to go where your audience is. You have to have fun. And so, like, right now, I'm, like, trying with Snapchat. So I'm going to put this on my Snap story. Add some nice. nosy, whatever, Ross. But, uh, but these things are, like, a novelty. I mean, Ali got me this gift, and I'm so honored to, like, have this and play with it. It's a different way of storytelling. But, like, uh, I'm not in that target audience, so I gravitate better towards, like, Instagram video and stuff like that. So right now, if there's any platform that I kind of like, like, I love Twitter. I'm never going to say no to Twitter. But YouTube and Instagram seem to be the ones that are just crushing it as far as like pure engagement. And Facebook, you can't mess with Facebook. Chris Barrow says, based on some recent data, ads may actually be doing better in driving results on Pinterest than on Snapchat. Yeah, because you're going to look at a Pinterest ad for longer than three seconds. I mean, Snapchat is like, I'm just like tapping my phone just to get through it. Uh, I know snap's not going to happen, <laughs> but, uh, but that's the thing. Like Pinterest, I mean, like you look at their audience and they are so into what they do. Like, uh, like my fiance, Kristen, she's just like, it's like a fantasy football closet, you know, like she's like finding like her wedding dress, or like getting prepared for the wedding. So she's finding all this content and she's got like her like favorite things that she's putting in there and she puts a lot of focus into it and she gets insane engagement on it. Like I could never get that on Pinterest. So, but it's a certain demographic that goes to it, and like I don't fit within that demographic. If I tried, I'm sure I could try to get some engagement. But uh, you're right. If if once a platform understands who's using their platform, uh, they can really get the most out of advertisements. And the thing is, 
A lot of people hear advertisements and they think ads are bad. Unrelevant ads are bad. If it's right. relevant, if it's useful, then you enjoy it, then you like it. So it's all about finding that relevancy. We're like working with the Twitter team. Uh, we just got like a partnership with them with the Twitter ads team. And so we're trying to help that relevancy with that social footprint things I was talking to you guys about. And it's all about finding like what do these people care about and then helping them by showing them that content. Yeah, Vincenzo says Pinterest and Instagram are the new e-commerce websites. And so before we wrap up, I have to ask you, because I know you're into drones. Um, what? <laughs> oh, wait. You have to go there. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Irrelevant. Wait, what did Vincenzo mean by irrelevant are the new e-commerce website? Well, anyway, back to drones, yeah. because you yeah. got a great story. What's going on with you and drones? <laughs> I am an idiot, people. Uh, so uh, I love drones. I love DJI. Uh, I've had the Phantom 3. I got the Phantom 4. I've crashed drones. I've survived drones. So uh, this afternoon, we uh, we had a, a situation where um, uh, I was like, I need to go blow off some steam. It's been a long day. And I'm going to just fly the drone outside. Well, it's really, really windy. Hey, Allison, how's it going? She knows the story. She knows the ending. So I was like, I'm going to just go fly for a little bit, just kind of unwind and go back into the office and just like finish some stuff. And then so I go and it's windy and it just flies off. And you have to be very careful and safe and uh, conscious of like where you're flying and what you're doing. And so I think about all these things. I try not to fly around people. I try not to fly over cars and stuff like that. But uh, the wind just totally took it and flew it and it was gone. And I, I didn't cry. I almost cried, but <laughs> it went. And so I run in my car and I'm like driving around. I ended up on the golf course that's next door running like a Persian guy in this like checkered, like picnic looking <laughs> like shirt running around sweating and like trying to find this drone. And people were staring at me like, what is wrong with this guy? But uh, I couldn't find it. And then I went back again after work uh, with my fiance. She was kind enough to try to help me find it. Couldn't find it. I'm hoping that someone found it and turned it into the lost and found. If they didn't, I'm going to buy a new one uh, just because I love drones so much. But uh, losing a drone is so hard. I don't know how Casey Neistat does it all the time. <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> Occupational hazard, I think. When you just I, yeah, man. I I try to get into vlogging. He's like, if you get into vlogging, you're gonna break stuff and lose stuff. I'm like, not I. I'm slick. No, I. Oh, Phantom Four gone. Well, speaking of vlogging, we do have Amy Schmidauer on next week on live stream stars on Thursday, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern Monday night. Uh, before we get to Amy, we have Heather Dobson from GoDaddy. And, of course, Amy's got the new book out, Vlog Like a Boss. Can't wait to take a look at that and talk to her about vlogging. And on Monday, talk to Heather Dobson about everything she's doing with GoDaddy. They've got a new show behind the domain and doing interesting stuff there, how a big company has gotten into using live streaming on Facebook Live to produce a show. So great stuff coming up. I hope you do, everybody, join us uh, over the next few weeks. Uh, a lot of stuff uh, we're going to be talking about as we get ready for Summit Live. But Amir, it's so awesome having you on. You are an amazing guest. Thank it was you. so much great knowledge you Thank shared. You. Yeah. So many fun stories. Um, I can't wait to keep the conversation going. And uh, you're always welcome to come back. Uh, and we do like a live stream stars or live stream news or another Ask the Expert down the road. 
I'd be honored. Just send another photo. I'm tired of the one by my bedside. I need a new one. Uh, no, this was so much fun, Ross. Just take a uh, screenshot. You'll be fine. <laughs> no, this this was a lot of fun and so many great questions. Uh, oh, Uncle Wayne, thank you, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, like it, it was a tough loss, but so many awesome friends joined this, and I'm very touched and honored. Thank you all for watching. Thanks for your attention, Ross. Man, you, I, I told you not to go easy on me, and you brought the tough questions. Um, it is so awesome to be on this show, and uh, it, it's an honor to join your guests that you've had on here. Well, thank you so much, and we will be back Monday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, with live stream stars Heather Dobson from GoDaddy and Beyond the Domain joins us. Have a great night, everybody.